2: And here we go. Hit me one more time is on. That is this show. I am David Luzader. Thank you for being here, listening audience. This is the Nostalgia Reflection podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger, and we ask the question, is this good? With me, as always, to navigate our topic and to answer that question is, of course, Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello.
1: Hello, David. How's it going?
2: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm hanging in there, preparing for a big trip, and uh, so I figured I'd get one more in before I go.
2: Yeah, so we appreciate you taking the effort. What I love about our initial interaction here, I'm realizing, is it is it sounds like we have not spoken prior to the episode starting to record. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like we're just we're going in blind. Uh, but it's we don't not-
1: talk between episodes. Like there's just dead silence, and then you start recording, and then we're allowed to speak to each other yep, again.
2: Exactly. It's only on this show. Well, also on this show is a guest. It is a, a guest whose name might seem a little bit familiar because uh, nepotism continues to reign. And <laughs> Nick has brought his own brother, but we would have had him on anyway. We're super excited about it. He is from the Deege cast. Tony Shermooksness, hello.
0: Well, hello there. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for being on. Uh, now, we'll give you time at the end to give plugs on where people can find your stuff and all that. Uh, But just right here up top, people who are maybe not familiar with the DeejCast, just what's that about?
0: Uh, Certainly. So the DeejCast itself is our supplementary podcast for our YouTube show, uh, DeejTime, or Deeges and Dragons. Uh, It's just uh, pretty much a um, episode from episode podcast going over the previous episode we had launched the day prior. Just kind of going over therapy aspects of tabletop gaming or interviewing developers of the tabletop gamings that we're doing
2: yeah that's super great people should check it out and i want to apologize because i said deejcast when i said i was going to say deej time so you know we're off to a great start here
1: he's fired all right tony it's just you and me now
2: oh no (laughs) i see see now what this was all about (laughs) well i'm gonna take control back over the show and introduce our topic This week brought to us by Tony, and that is Beast Wars Transformers. Set in the future of the Transformers universe, Beast Wars follows the conflict between the Maximals and the Predacons, the descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons, after they crash land on primitive Earth. And all the various shenanigans that happen therein, that will break down quite a bit here. Of course, if you want to know which episodes we watch, we will put that up on Twitter before the episode is released and also in the show notes. So that way you can follow along if you like. Now, before we get into our discussion, this is, of course, the important part where we find out why was this thing brought here and looking at our personal histories. Tony, since you brought this here to us, why did you choose Beast Wars Transformers or just Beast Wars? I'm not going to call it Beast Wars Transformers this whole episode. That's <laughs> that's too much. Beast Wars it's Transformers got my
1: Hasbro and just keep going and keep <laughs> yeah.
2: adding
0: on. Yeah, don't forget all the trademarks and copyrights. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh well, well, when uh when Nick asked me to uh, to come on the podcast and uh for a subject, one thing that uh really Nick and I bonded over, really the only thing Nick and I bonded <laughs> over in our childhood honestly was probably Saturday morning cartoons and most of all beast wars.
1: Nick, what what do you have uh, to say? yeah I'll, I'll basically just piggyback on what tony's saying and and basically when, when i say that we loved beast wars and that we buy now you have to keep in mind that as brothers uh we tormented each other mercilessly or i tormented tony and then he beat me up uh, which i guess is still a form of torment so people violence isn't the answer but what is the answer or was the answer was beast wars and Uh, Like I said, when I say that we love Beast Wars, I'm saying that when we would travel to uh, our friend's uh, summer cabin um, in the summers, um, we would have a a tote only dedicated to Beast Wars toys. Like Mm -hmm. if a Beast Wars toy came out, we probably had it. Um, Very, very fortunate children. Um, and you know, the show that looking back, I thought the show went on for a lot longer than, than three seasons. So I was a little blown away by that, but th- even beyond the show, our love for Beast Wars uh, persisted when we would spend time in the summer in this cabin, uh, we would sit on a porch and just, we had all our toys and we had this super elaborate <laughs> story that we would build on year after year. And they weren't actually robust, they were people, it was like basically Gundam meets Beast Wars. So we were just like, yeah, anyway, like we just something about Beast Wars now just really inspired us and it it did start with the original Transformers when we would go to visit our father on the weekends. Um, He worked at a video store at the time uh, and basically we would uh, also torment him as children do by basically renting the same three Transformers VHS tapes uh, every chance that we got. So we were just really big Transformers people um, and then it just evolved into Beast Wars and then just these toys. I mean, Yeah, it was just probably some of the most fun and probably around that time is when we stopped beating each other up a little bit uh, and I would attribute that to Beast Wars.
2: Well, cool. There you go. Beast Wars and Transformers uh, solving sibling rivalries since the beginning of the 1980s, probably. Uh, Or at least helping with it. (laughs) (laughs) True. It probably also perpetuated some a bit. Uh, As for me, I was a big fan of this show when it was on um, also like Nick, I, I probably would have thought that it went longer than three seasons and only 52 episodes, which, uh, means that it's Canon in the DC universe. Um, <laughs> but after the show and the, the sequel series, uh, beast machines, uh, were on after those ceased to be on, I pretty much fell off and my memories like started to fade as happens with time. Um, but I didn't have quite the strong emotional connection. Like, if you had put a gun to my head prior to watching some episodes for this show and said, Name five characters from Beast Wars, I would have said Optimus Prime, uh, well, Optimus Primal, Megatron, <laughs> uh, the Cheetah one, the Spider Lady, and uh, for the fifth one, just pull the trigger because I'm out. Like, that's accurate. That's how much. I mean, it, nailed it, yeah. honestly. <laughs> That's how much it had faded from my memory and things even like changed a little bit like I I I thought that it was uh, Cheetor and Black Arachnia had the romance but it was Silverbolt and Black Arachnia. Uh so really this is just something that for me was a real flash in the pan. Really loved it at the time but did not carry it with me um and even when early days of Netflix when like everything was on there and we the people I was living with at the house we called Skywalker Ranch because it was on Luke Street we discovered that beast wars was on there we watched we were like oh yeah we're gonna watch all of beast wars watched one episode and then immediately <laughs> forgot that that was apparently a goal of ours so this was a fun revisit for me i have a lot to say i'm sure you two do as well before we get to that though nick can you tell us about the world's history with transformers
1: yes beast wars. starting on planet earth Um, after the lukewarm Transformers Generation 2, Hasbro looked into ways to revitalize the franchise. The decision was made to turn them into animals because, yeah, sure, Hasbro teamed up with Mainframe Entertainment who had just made Reboot uh, to, if you remember that show, that might have to come on here one of these point, at one of these points. Uh, to make a new computer animated show. Uh, while the show started as a standalone entry, it was tied more and more into Generation One's continuity as the seasons went on. The show proved to be a success and won an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Oh, in 1997, (laughs) during its run, two supplemental anime series, Beast Wars 2 and Beast Wars Nia, were made exclusively for Japan. And now reading this, I'm mad that I never knew those existed, Uh, that filled in additional stories between seasons. The show ended in 1999 with a sequel series, Beast Machines Transformers, airing from 1999 to 2001. Uh, Transformers has been rebooted a few times, erasing Beast Wars from continuity, but the series has occasionally lived on in comic book form.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't feel too bad about not knowing about the anime series. Um, Cause when I, when I've looked into them, it, there's not a ton there. I think uh, one of them is really much more kid oriented. Um, and I'm not really sh- sure too much on like on the other one, but I don't think that there is like, it, there's nothing super vital that, uh, that you missed. So.
1: Probably not. I, I, I'd just be curious what the animation looked like for them. It's, it's traditionally animated. It
2: is not. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's probably maybe a bit better than how this show has uh, aged. I mean, I guess in terms of starting points for our discussion,
2: should we just rip the Band-Aid off and talk <laughs> about this animation?
1: Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, Tony, what, Tony, how how did you feel that the animation of this show has evolved? Well, it's... Aged. Uh, um, <laughs> to put it
0: mildly. I, yeah, to put it mildly. I definitely had some uh, rose-tinted goggles going into this. I uh, I definitely remembered the animation, at least in, in my child mind, being a lot better. Um, but yeah, there, there weren't many polygons. Uh, granted, the polygons on the actual characters themselves were all very smooth. Um, so but they smooth. were also the only things in the show that had any detail to them the the environments are just so flat and bland and plain looking in the backgrounds of all the shots uh movements are are janky throughout you know all three seasons um but uh but but yeah um didn't
2: didn't age phenomenally (laughs) No, it really hasn't. And it's and it, it's funny to me to like have read up that this was outstanding animation for its time. You know, reboot uh, for all of its, you know, it's probably same things where if we watched it now, we'd be like, oh boy, I loved this show as much as I did. Like, how did I look at it for that long? Like at the time, it was top of the line animation. It, it won an Emmy. Oh, absolutely. It, it was con- like, this was the... Uh this was the third computer animated television show after Reboot and Donkey Kong Country God help us all. Um,
1: oh that's right. I completely that's
2: forgot right. about that one. Yeah, right. probably for the best. It's oh it is for the best. Uh, let me tell you cuz that's one that somebody sent me some clips of, of of White's back and I this looks amazing compared to that. I will say that much. <laughs> um but yeah, everything is so smooth everything is so smooth and then they keep doing like the trans metals because they had to you know they had to sell new toys so they had to keep giving everybody new bodies and so <laughs> like then the characters became so like i really yes it was it was low rent a little bit but i actually really kind of liked their first season looks because like the mm-hmm. the further it went on they just looked so much i don't know I it's hard to explain just the the super bright kind of neon-y colors of their bodies were mm. a little bit distracting. I guess it, it was I don't know. Just it it like the uh, uh, optimists kept changing bodies constantly, uh, which <laughs> which did lead to one of my favorite lines in the episodes that we watched was when uh, Rat Trap said to that, uh, well, because someone was like, oh, he adapts to a new body so quickly. And it's like, well, you know, he keeps he keeps getting new ones, and then he looks at the camera, and a rim shot happens? <laughs> yeah, well, what do you expect? He <laughs> changes them often enough. And that was insane to me. Um, but did also, I did appreciate that joke of like, yeah, we know we're changing them around a lot. They're making us do it because they want to sell new toys.
1: Right. Yeah, the the and now and it was all smooth so it didn't really matter if you were a gorilla or a cheetah or a tyrannosaurus rex or a hornet or also the fact that this took place technically so uh, it technically these were these were the descendants of the autobots and the septicons but they teleported through time to prehistoric earth uh and i don't know i don't really think that cheetahs and tyrannosaurus rex kind of overlapped Um, well
2: no no uh wasn't and i hate that i know this didn't they scan fossils for the
1: ones that were dinosaurs oh was that oh so the dinosaurs were already dead yes okay i I totally missed that part uh okay that makes me feel a little bit better pre-human yeah yeah, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I guess they were more accurate than I was giving them credit for. Okay, anyway, <laughs> but either way, the animation by today's standards is awful. I'm sorry, I still love you, Beast Force. But um, it did not age well, um, and it was a little hard to watch. Like, I, I kept alternating between, like, my palette has definitely uh, changed since then, and also, like, this is kind of charming in a way. I don't know if you guys got that feeling. Hmm. I, I definitely got
0: the charm factor of it, at least the the early episodes, especially when, when all of the the Maximals and the, the Predacons each took time doing like their Power Ranger transformation for uh, into robot forms. Oh so yeah, they needed was... to chill out on that. <laughs> <laughs> they did in later seasons.
1: There was but, like uh, so much force. Before... Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I just in the, like the first handful of episodes. It's just like every transformation. It's just like, oh, let me just announce my name and my uh, my transformation protocol and then a quick animation for yeah. everyone.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they set up this thing early on that it's like, ah, oh, the environment is dangerous to us so we can only be in our robot form for limited time and they like which arguably very cool
0: in my opinion um i had completely forgotten about that aspect i'm like oh that's 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 actually a, a cool excuse but then in season 2 they just do away with that entirely yes
2: no ex- exactly they yeah they introduce it and like that's actually a really kind of interesting idea from a storytelling perspective and they it came up a few times where if people were transformed for too long their bodies would start breaking down uh, but yeah then they like introduced the whole what like transmetal i think is what they were called uh, yep. what was the next generation it just yeah it stopped being a whole point you can be in robot form as much as you like
1: right and not all of them went through transmetal too like Rhinox stayed uh, in his original form the whole way through and at least i i feel like in the later episodes you see him in robot form a lot while everyone else is transmetal and he's not necessarily um, complaining yeah, about it. They just can't, yeah. I think can't forget it. If I I might be remembering this wrong, but I I think the
0: reason why they had to go into robot form originally was because of all the natural energy on prehistoric planet Earth. And at mm-hmm. the f- finale, season finale of season one, I think the explosion that turned them all transmetal ended up destroying all of the energy on planet Earth, or at least the the bulk of it. oh,
2: sure, sure that i
1: think why, why <laughs> it not it makes sense the details <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like because they the, the the lore of this show actually deepens in a lot of ways like there's a whole alien race uh the 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 vok that become yeah. like major players and they end up finding like the original optimus prime uh buried under the plane like they just Keep adding all the stuff onto it. And at a certain point, yeah, you just have to go with, okay, this is what we're doing.
1: And I would say that, I mean, I'm a big fan of time travel stuff most of the time. Uh, I do feel like on one hand, like tying it more into generation one stuff as much as I also love generation one. It's, it, it sort of stopped being the its own thing and just was sort of like being almost like a nostalgia show where it was like the, the most meaningful twists and turns that we could have are now dovetailing into stuff that you are already familiar with instead of trying to forge its own path. Um, yeah.
2: Yes. And, and no, I think I, I agree that um, like the, the Starscream episode, that is just straight up like, Hey, you like Starscream, right? Okay. Here you go um but i i think like the later when he tries to kill past optimus prime like that's pretty dark he's trying to like
1: erase history oh yeah yeah i mean i think the way that it was executed was fine i guess just for me and like a broader i mean it, it doesn't matter now right what's done is done uh it was enjoyable to watch but i also would have been cool to just sort of see them forge their own path instead of you know going back to that well and and pulling it forward or in this case pulling it back because of time travel and paradoxes and oh my
2: (laughs) yeah nick i expect your uh 12 page treatment of a beast wars reboot on my desk uh, okay but
1: i to be fair (laughs) i did think of that the whole time i was watching i'm like why hasn't there been a reboot because i feel like it would do well maybe I don't know. I don't know. Or where's my Michael Bay movie with exploding helicopter <laughs> robot animals? I don't know. Uh,
2: Wasn't there? Wasn't there? Didn't one of those movies have dinosaurs? I have. No, I, they had
1: the Dinobots from the original Transformers. Oh, I don't care. It what? Wasn't necessarily from <laughs> Beast Wars. <laughs> just say they, they, they oh can bring kidding. Megan Fox back and Shia LaBeouf and they can just be like the cave people of the time running around. It would be great. Okay. Anyway, sure, Michael, yeah. Michael Bay, call me.
2: My yeah, Michael Bay listener of this podcast. Uh, I yeah, would this I don't know. Well, I guess would this do well today? Is kind of the, the the thesis of this podcast. So we'll dig into that question. I, I think a bit more in the future. But let's. So we have talked a bit about the animation. We've talked a bit about the cheesier aspects of it. But what did you guys think? Kind of of the overall presentation from like a story and a character perspective. Because I I liked it. I ended up like digging way more of like what they were doing and like these characters than I thought I was going to on this revisit. Mm. Yeah. Just me. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as uh, all of the little story beats, just kind of tying all the seasons together with the, all the, the the time travel and the paradox and those, uh, those Vox alien guys who were kind of orchestrating planet earth and then Short. interfering when things weren't going their way um i i thought that aspect of the story was really neat um i enjoyed a number of the characters um more so probably in my rewatching than i did in my original hmm. um i don't remember loving um uh the fire and inferno uh the the predicon the, oh, the fire and yeah. predicon who constantly uh, referred to the ship as the colony and referred to megatron <laughs> as the queen um, i had completely <laughs> forgotten about that and i just love that aspect of uh of the show um and dinobot in my opinion dinobot. probably got a lot of the character developments uh throughout all of the seasons um and he was always my favorite character even as a as a child and i'm sure nick can uh can back me up there the test
1: and, and on a flip side of that for me my favorite character was Cheetor as a child and rewatch at least the first episode because in the, he was in the later episodes that we watched in seasons two and three and he was present and he did stuff but he seemed a lot less obnoxious than he was in the, the pilot episode um but oh my gosh like i didn't realize he was that obnoxious he just he, he just came off i mean i think he was supposed to be like this younger more yes. inexperienced robot yes um but I you know, it, for me it's it's I guess it just shows how I've evolved as a person. Because all of my my uh personal development started with Cheetor. Um <laughs> which is like, you know, I can totally see myself as a kid like looking up the Cheetor and kind of like wanting to go along with his journey and be the young upstart. And now I'm like a curmudgeony old man that, you know, like I'm I'm hopefully wiser now and just like looking back, I'm like, oh my God, this little kid's obnoxious. Um so my feelings on Cheetor have I mean, I still love Cheetor. Don't get me wrong, but it, they have, in a sense, changed. Whereas I can also see why Donobot now uh, it was uh, as appealing as he was.
2: Cheetor was definitely the one that, like, as a kid, I think I, I'm thinking I was with you from what I remember. Like, I remember thinking he was really cool because uh, he's like the hothead who's going to like rush in, and uh, you know, he doesn't really like he he respects this older, cooler Optimus Prime, but at the same time, he's like ah. I'm I'm the plucky one who always get gets into scraps and I work my way out because I'm cool and like that was really exciting. And now watching it too, I'm like, all right, kid, calm down.
1: Just and like... and speak, and speaking of of him like questioning Optimus Prime, this the whole show has an insubordination problem. Like from the first episode on, like Rat Trap should have like he constantly either went against what Optimus was saying or constantly criticized him for his now, decisions. The Predacons start with Danobot basically rebelling against them and leaving, uh, and that basically just doesn't stop through the whole. I mean, even one of the episodes opens with um, was it Scorpinox? um, getting he's about to be he's on trial for betraying them for some reason. I we didn't I think he was working with the a spider. Ro, uh robe tarantula tarantula tarantulor lord tarantula um so just like insubordination and mutiny and all that seemed to be a very frequent problem in this beast war. well it
2: was it was definitely an issue for the the predacons you know they were constantly vying for uh for rank now would it surprise you to learn Cause like the, the, the Maximals kind of had it, uh, but I would say that there was much more of a power. So like, even when they would challenge or call out some of Optimus's, um, decisions, they wouldn't ever go against them, uh, at least like in an active way to undermine him. Now well, there
1: was the episode, I think one of the first ones where Optimus tells Rat Trap to do something and he doesn't do it. So Optimus has to go do it himself.
2: Now, Nick, would it surprise you to learn that Rat Trap is second in command?
1: Not Rhinox?
2: Not Rhinox. It is Rattrap.
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. that, yeah, I, that does surprise me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rhinox, Rhinox was a little boring. I hate to say it.
1: No, Rhinox was boring, but like, you know, I I just assumed like he, he compared to Rattrap's insubordination and, and Chudor, Chudor's hot-headedness, Rhinox was basically the guy that was sort of the more level-headed, like uh team player and yeah apparently that's boring but well, now i think it's exciting I was going to say but... <laughs> I was going to say given given your love of like of the the Jason types
2: as we'll call them i'm a little bit surprised you were like yeah rhinox rules he <laughs> he he follows the rules and and uh let,
1: let, employee of the month maximal in, the
2: month. right let's talk about DinoBots death episode because i want to and That was uh, for me the first time in this rewatching these episodes that I was like, oh, dang, there's more to this than just trying to sell me toys.
0: So much more. Like, I feel like this this was the episode that uh, even as a child, I'm like, oh, wait, this this show is there's more than just, you know, explosions and transformations.
2: Yeah, because his whole thing with that episode was like he was kind of trying to figure out his purpose. Right. And he kind of felt like maybe violence wasn't the way anymore.
0: Yeah, I think I, I, I didn't uh, watch a number of the episodes before that one, but if memory serves, there was a, a recent betrayal on Dinobot's side where he mm-hmm. gave Megatron that golden disc that gave him information about the future and whatnot. Um, so he was, I, I guess, kind of inter turmoil with that and trying to regain his honor as the as the warrior that he was and going out protecting the future was was that honorable death he sought for.
2: And he gets yeah. it by saving the proto-humans, and it... I mean, it was, an, it was a well-written scene, too. I was very impressed with that episode.
0: I agree. I agree. Right. I thought it was really well-written as well. Tell my tale to those who ask. Tell it truly me ill deeds along with the good and let me be judged accordingly the rest
2: is silence
1: it was definitely emotional um and I I just think it's funny because like when you see these, like all the episodes where they're like getting into battles and like they're shooting at each other and there doesn't seem to be a lot of balance as far as powers, like any like Waspinator could probably give Optimus Prime a run for his money when you think that there would be a power differential. Um, And and there's all these times where like they interact with them and they're getting like punked and knocked or whatever. And then you get to this episode where, where just Dinobot, basically obliterates all of the Predacons by himself and I mean obviously it's so awesome which really which was cool. awesome but also and it did get him killed at the end so like there was a consequence of it but so now it's just making one of like this is a really lame duck beast wars if you guys are pulling all your shots like in all the episodes prior well it I don't think they're pulling the shots I think these robots are really
2: super sturdy because it took him uh getting in this fight and like uh, really, like, s- stretching himself thin to actually get to a point where he could be destroyed. Because multiple times, Waspinator is exploded. Uh, They're, like, refitting his head back on his body. They have shown so many times where, like, they get just absolutely pummeled and torn apart, but they can pull themselves back together. Like, it was established that it is really hard to kill any of them. Uh, but this is just the one time they decided to let... Like, even in a later episode when Black Arachnia uh seemingly gets killed by uh by megatron they're just like oh no she's just in stasis like we're just gonna repair her and she'll be fine but And it's we... like
0: oh it's, yeah re- Rewatching her. that scene i'm just like i don't remember her dying yeah and like, then like 30 seconds later it's like oh wait no she's
2: fine right but we couldn't do that to Dinobot.
1: No, though to be fair, Dinobot also comes back, which in the the last episode mm-hmm. we all watched, he was was already back, and he the, was on the side of the Predacons.
2: That's a that's a clone. That's like a go, that Optimus Prime yeah. build, built a, a clone of him.
1: Oh, but then he joins the Predacons anyway.
2: Well, yeah, I think Megatron like reprogrammed him, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's Does not he... it's not a revival of Dinobot. It is like Dinobot body two, mind one. Like, is it so
1: Dinobots original spark gets put in the body? I don't because doesn't it like fly off the space at the end of his death episode? No,
2: I don't think his spark goes into there because right now I'm looking at the Transformers wiki for the Dinobot page, <laughs> uh and it says uh Megatron because that's the sort of prick he is created a zombie esque trans to tu- transmetal two clone of Dinobot. So I don't th- oh. I don't think it was Dinobot.
1: Okay. Does this so just just for my own my own sense of security? Does this Dinobot rebel against Megatron before the end?
2: I don't believe so.
1: No, I don't believe he does. Oh, I mean, I realize why he wasn't the real (laughs) Dinobot. Right, right, right. (laughs) The real Dinobot
2: was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Anyway,
1: (laughs) that and that. I guess I can. From a storytelling perspective, I kind of like those moments. Like, uh, am I allowed to talk about lost spoilers on here?
2: Uh, sure. That show's like a decade old now. All
1: right. If you haven't watched Lost, stop listening for a second. But in the reference I'm making is uh, when John Locke, who was a character I really enjoyed on that show, and then he ends up dying in one of the later seasons. And then technically the actor stays on and he quote unquote comes back, but then it turns out his body is being possessed by like the villain of the show or whatever. And at the time that I was watching that show, I thought that was a really cool and sort of bittersweet maybe even bittersweet is the wrong word to describe it with, but a really cool narrative trick to sort of keep this character in play, play with your emotions, um, but also kind of screw with them, which I guess is the same as playing with them. I don't really know why I was going with that, but in the same vein as this Dinobot that here's this character, that has a really meaningful death. And then the villain of the story basically takes that away from him almost. So what you're saying yeah, I mean, here. Oh, uh,
2: go ahead.
0: Oh no, yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's kind of also uh a little bit of kind of psychological warfare on Megatron's side too, because obviously all the Maximals, uh, you know, respected and, uh, you know, really liked Dinobot up until the end. So using the form of their fallen comrade in the memory of their friend against them, probably added a couple, you know, I, I don't think they really delve too much of the psychological yeah. aspects of all of the characters, but I feel in not that, you know, A real life situation like this would probably happen, Um, but you know, using your dead friends to, 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 or your enemies using your dead friends as a, as a weapon, I'm, I'm sure can have some negative annotations to it. Yes, happens all the time.
2: As you as you know as a and d player, Tony, uh, oh, yes. don't don't go up against a necromancer for these very reasons. <laughs> I love necromancers for these very reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does this mean that Megatron is a ne- Oh, I don't have the mental capacity. <laughs> can,
1: can we start a Beast Wars D&D thing? I mean, can we Probably. Just, I mean, right now, just Tiger Hawk straight episode. up had
0: magic in that episode. So, oh, yeah. you know, I think all bets are That's on true. the table.
2: Oh, uh, Tiger Hawk. What a weird concept to introduce in the 11th hour of that show.
0: Yeah, I I'd completely because that, that was one of the when when I had to pick the five episodes and just like I have to pick the one where Tiger Hawk comes in. And when I looked up the what episode he comes in, I'm like, this is the third to last episode yeah. of the entire series. I thought he was in it a lot more. because I thought he showed up around the same
2: time Death Charge showed up. No, he he's like this last minute addition right before, you know, the big explosive finale. And like they, I mean, they obviously knew the show was going to end. So it's just very funny to me that they decided, I guess it, it was a way to give it an ending to... Um oh boy. What are the name of those Air, two characters? Air
1: TigerTron and Air Razor.
2: Air Razor, yeah. Which by the way, TigerTron, I know not a character we saw much in this episode. Um but I went down a little bit of like a rabbit hole on some of these characters and if I were to rewatch the show right now, I would be all about TigerTron. He is awesome. TigerTron was a really cool character. He is like He basically is like, I don't want to fight because, like, fighting is pointless and we have a chance to live in a utopian paradise together, but you're you all can't get over your stuff. So, peace. I'm
1: out. I'm about that. Uh, Tiger Tron, here's a good one. And also, so. I know in the first episode a bunch of like these pod, escape pods fall from the maximal ship uh, and then because we, we jumped around we basically jumped I think to the second season after watching the first couple of episodes and and then obviously there's more people like Tigertron and Air razor and silverbolt and all that uh, where also why was so Tigertron made sense because the aliens can buy Tigertron and air uh and apparently just subdued air razor even though she was technically a female robot and tiger tiger hawk Look, why, was just a why male they have robot. why they have genders
2: is uh not really s-
1: <laughs> unclear or, or that a robot has to have a particularly large bus size um
2: oh black arachnia the, oh boy yeah and, and their an body is shaped like a
1: bikini and um, yeah but anyway um so where, but where did these other, like did the other characters that popped up in later seasons, uh, later seasons, like there was a bunch, um, did they come from those pods?
0: I believe yes. so. And I think like the, the ones that were the combination of animals or things were like defective pods. And that's why they kind of got jumbled up.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And black arachne even has that line when, or that whole moment when Megatron is trying to erase Uh, The Autobots and the Primals, like, out of existence. And she's like, I'm not going along with this because I am a Primal... Like, if you kill them, you're killing me. Uh, So, yeah, she was a reprogrammed, repurposed, Maximal bot. Man, these names. Can we just (laughs) talk... Like, okay. Autobots and Decepticons. Super silly. Yeah, super ridiculous. Transformers has an insane lexicon. But, But, like, Maximal predacons oh man i don't envy the people that have to come up with these things
1: predacon works like predators and they i'm not saying the predators in real life are bad guys it's a complicated web of life system that we have here on earth but um and then maximals actually doesn't really make any sense other than saying i guess they're like maximum or maxim doesn't matter um but yeah then you get into names like you just have to think like okay so i'm like they have this ability to scan their surroundings for life forms that they can adopt. And you have to think that someone like say rat trap probably scanned more than one creature, but then decided, okay, I'm going to be a rat. And also I'm going to call myself rat trap. Like Cheetor, It sounds cool, but calling yourself rat trap does not.
2: I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) i can't really can't really dispute. No. but yeah it no, is no,
1: no dissenting opinions no, no
2: dissenting opinions on the side of the uh the bench uh mm. yeah I, I thought it was kind of weird that they
0: all decided to give themselves new names yes entirely yeah
1: wh- names entirely because before? they're
0: all... i don't know if they're ever mentioned but they would have to have had them
1: yes oh maximum mammals that's why they're maximals um but also, yeah, so this idea that they were descendants of Autobots and, and Decepticons, but adopted names that coincidentally already had to do with sort of more animalistic uh, tropes or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, apparently just completely ignoring what I want. Now I just really want to know what their real names are. I think Optimus Primal was already called Optimus Primal. but Well, because
2: there, there was something... Um... Man, I do so much Wikipedia diving for this show. I swear I don't just like know <laughs> all this knowledge because like there was something that changed them at some point from the Autobots to the Maximals, uh, and the the Decepticons to the Predacons, and this is just called quote unquote the Great Upgrade, uh, <laughs> which I love. And I I don't remember. Um, I think a lot more of that lore kind of gets explored in the sequel series. Again, the sequel series I have flashes of memory of but I don't remember too much though. I am a bit interested in now because apparently they like planned that out entirely before releasing it. So it has like a really like really tight storyline.
1: Interesting. And I, and now I'm really curious about beast machines as well. I remember Tony and I watching it uh, after the fact, and I feel like we didn't like it at all, but maybe it was just too divergent from what we had known. But also there's only like, three or four of the Maximals that end up on Cybertron. And I don't know what happens to everyone else.
2: I think that's probably explained in the last two episodes of this.
1: Probably. now, nah, I just need to go back and watch them.
2: There you go. Yeah. The characters that, uh, that carry over, I believe are yeah, Optimus, Primal, Cheetor. It, Oh, well, no. Nope. Okay. That's too long of a list. <laughs> this is not worth it what black arachnia
1: makes it back black arachnia so yeah. Gator,
2: and i think and maybe? Yeah. rhinox make it back too i think rhinox shows up eventually oh boy this is <laughs> this is great radio <laughs> people just like you know it's three guys sitting around a table trying to remember what characters showed up in this obscure early 2000s animated tv <laughs> show <laughs> love it
1: I'm also looking now I have the Wikipedia entry up and I'm seeing all these like there's actually there were a crap ton of beast machine toys that didn't even make it into the TV show.
2: That's that's a real
0: I story. mean, I feel it was the same for Beast Wars and the OG Transformers
2: as well. Yeah, they just put the most popular ones in the TV show. So that's that's basically what Transformers Generation 2 was, uh, was the oh, yeah. they just repurposed all, and anything from Generation 1. They like released some of the toys that weren't released but all of the animation from Generation 2 is just the animation. It's just the show from Generation 1, I think, with a, a, a couple of things tweaked, uh, which, is why they, which is why they were like, you know what? We need to do, actually do something original and new and not just uh, resell the same stuff over and over. Let's make animals that we can constantly change their form so we can resell the same stuff over and over and over. It's the
1: perfect plan. And also, the- so apparently there was going to be even a follow-up to Beast Machines called TransTech. Tech. Yes. Uh, so I didn't know that. And also because of this deep diving I'm now doing, I've remembered the Beast Machines character Savage slash Noble, who was a cool wolf guy. And oh my gosh, I have things to do later. Like what? like what like to watch him not anything else guys oh my god <laughs> i
2: mean you're the one who made, who said something weird
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> anyway anyway to, 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 to i digress let's get back on the topic of beast wars a bit
2: yeah speaking of cool wolf robots i guess uh silver it's why did they do a whole romeo and juliet romance with silver uh, and black arachnia
1: because uh, they only have one female character, and of course, if it's a female character, they have to be—if you can't tell—hashtag sarcasm. Uh, they have to be in some sort of love plot.
2: Mm. Well, that's fair. That it was the '90s, yeah, it after makes, all. It makes sense for me. I uh, mean, is there yeah. anything else? Uh, we're getting close to ending our our discussion here. I know we've kind of been a little bit scatter shot, um, but is there anything else anybody wants to
1: to talk about and bring up? Uh, of all the times for a quasar jam. I mean, happens to the best of us, buddy. Wait. Oh no. I just really want you to stew in this one for a bit.
2: (laughs) Uh, Tony, you got me. But but I will
1: say, uh, I may Tony could pop on this, but like, what I also appreciated rewatching this was that the dialogue somehow was both terrible, but also like there was a lot of great one-liners. I'm not saying this, this was like expert literature, but um the how they would sort of tie in um robotic uh terminology and animal terminology uh into their their little zings and stuff uh, i thought was a lot of times uh really funny and fun
2: i would have loved to write for rat trap if i had to (laughs) if i had to write for any of the characters (laughs) on this show rat trap would be number one for me Hmm. tony do you have Um, anything else you wanted to to discuss or bring up Ah no,
0: I think we covered most of the talking points that I had. Yeah,
2: you know this is uh, so this is an interesting one, and I know that a lot of people out there listening probably have thoughts on it. So this is the time where we might anger you, because uh, we're going to now ask that question. We're gonna have a moment of reflection. Is this thing worth visiting today, or does it just stay in the hall of memory? Is it better for you two to just reflect on all of your fun time playing with toys? Or should you now, as full-grown adults, watch this jankily animated '90s cartoon <laughs> show? And I will pose that question first to Tony. Um, it is okay. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put it that way. Um, if if you're a die-hard Transformers fan and you want to watch absolutely everything that Transformers had, give it a shot. You probably won't hate it. Um, but if you don't like Transformers or your only concept of Transformers is the Michael Bay movie,
2: probably give it a pass. Hmm. OK, Nick, what do you yeah. think?
1: Yeah, man, it's tough because I was I was enjoying myself while rewatching it. But like yours, like this is something that for Tony and I, like we had a really deep like appreciation for and love for as children, and it definitely has an aged. What like the, I think the problem is, is that it's just not necessarily that pleasing to witness, even if there's a <laughs> lot of. I it's not great to, <laughs> great
2: to look yeah, at. Great to look at.
1: Yeah, most of my
0: deep-seated love for Beast Wars definitely comes from. From beyond the show, for for the most part, yeah.
1: Like I think the maybe some of the voices were obnoxious, but I think the 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 characterization that came through and the voice acting was really good. I do think that some of the dialogue, you know, and this is from the perspective of uh, the, the demographic for for children, um, but was really clever and fun, uh, and certainly from a mythological standpoint, like there's a lot of lore that you can deep dive into. So there's there's merits. The show has merits. But I don't think a lot of people today, especially if I was to put this in front of my uh, imaginary children that I don't have. I don't even have the imaginary children. But if I had the imaginary imaginary children put this in front of them, they would probably be like, what are you doing, imaginary dad? And I would be like, I don't know why I'm continuing to follow this line of thought. Anyway. Boy, I don't know. I, we just witnessed you
2: have a breakdown on this show. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: year is it? It's oh. 1997.
2: I th- I think I agree with the both of you. I when I f- watched the first episode, and just saw it when I just when I laid my eyes upon what was being offered to me, my thoughts were oh no. In uh, <laughs> that the first episode that we watched, you know the first couple episodes of this show are okay. They're they're doing a lot of setup. Like as we've said, the animation uh, throughout is always a little janky, but the more we watched the more that I really saw the merit this show has. And I think I was a bit surprised by that. I thought that I was going to walk away from this being like, no, it's it's cheesy 90s crap. But I think there's a little bit more to it. At the same time, I agree with what Tony said. I don't think it is worth it for just the average viewer. If you liked this show as a kid and you kind of remember it, it, it's probably better to leave it there. But if you are someone who loves Transformers or you have a, a really big interest in transformers it's definitely worth the watch from that perspective uh and i i don't know, i i could totally get behind even just taking the existing scripting and updating the animation i could get into this show i think way more but mm-hmm. the form that it's currently in i think it's uh it's a it's a pass from me unfortunately i've i've got some love for it there's definitely good stuff there But I can't say, yes, go now, go forth and watch it. And listener, we want to know what you think. Are we crazy? Is this the greatest 90s TV show? Should everybody be watching it right now? You can let us know. Go to hitmeonemoretime.com. You will find all the places that you can contact us and tell us what you think. And of course, tell us what you think about the show by going and leaving us a review on your podcatcher of choice. We'd really appreciate it. Of course, if it could be a a good review, uh, we'll love you forever. If it's a bad review, put that in an email instead. Please. Thanks. (laughs) Now, this is the time of the show where we find out where people can find us if they want more of us. Now, I said it wrong before. This one will say it right. Deej time. Tony, please tell people about Deej time and where they can find it.
0: Certainly, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, so, Deej Time is my uh, my YouTube show that I am a part of. Um, it's hosted by my great friend Conrad. Um, Conrad is our resident game master and psychology expert, um, mainly because in Deej Time. We dedicate learning um, and understanding of tabletop role playing games and their therapeutic benefits that they can provide. Um, So Conrad chooses and and had picked a number of indie developed tabletop games uh, that he thought would be useful in a clinical setting. Hmm. Um, And we generally break each game into about five episodes on YouTube. The first episode kind of goes into the rules of the games uh, before we jump into the gameplay, usually episodes two through four, primarily the gameplay of the show itself. Um, And the last episode is finishing the gameplay and then going into a little bit deeper of a therapeutic look of the system as a whole, uh, potential benefits that you could find in a clinical setting. Um, and then we also have our supplemental podcast as well, uh, the DeejCast, um, and we kind of do a little bit more of a deeper dive in the therapeutic therapeutic, as, as, <laughs> therapeutic aspect of the episode that we had just aired. Um, you can find us on YouTube at DeejTime. That's D-E-G-E-T-I-M-E. Uh, We're also on Twitter and Facebook at Deej Time as well. Uh, Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, just about any place you can get your podcasts
2: at. People, go check it out. If that doesn't sound interesting to you, I don't know what's wrong with you.
1: Nick, (laughs) where can people find you? Uh, On this show um saying things like uh well that's just prime and let it be called beast wars because i forgot to mention those earlier in the show so for now let the battle be here on this strange primitive world and let it be called beast wars uh and you can also find me uh at uh, on twitter at 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 nick uh um and uh strike up a conversation You should
2: do that. Bug him there. Let him know what you think about Beast Wars. And let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Find out all what I'm up to there. I want to say a big thank you to Tony for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. It was great having you on. And
1: uh, of course, Nick,
2: thank you for being here.
1: David, thank you for being here.
2: You'll already be on the trip by this time it comes out, but I hope you have a good trip. And you fly safe. I appreciate it. And uh, if for some reason you don't make it back, eh, the show will go on. Uh, Just (laughs) kidding. It could never. (laughs) I want to thank you, the listening audience, for just giving us a shot. We couldn't do this without you, and we do it for you. And remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time.